Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of In The Zone. This is our 70th episode and uh, it's a good positive feeling. Uh, last week, WWE had Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia. Plenty of nostalgia. The Undertaker didn't even take off his coat or hat. Beat AJ Styles. Got a nice trophy. But uh, <laughs> the big story from Super Showdown. Bill Goldberg beat The Fiend and he's your new Universal Champion. Took a few spears. I had my doubts a little bit. It looked like the fiend was going to choke him out with that little claw thingy, but uh, <laughs> Goldberg regrouped, got up, got the jackhammer, regrouped, suplex. <laughs> <laughs> suplex in on him. One, two, three, and that is where WWE goes back to their old ways. And uh, Alino, you called it again. Damn it, um, Goldberg. Let's do, you, do. Should we just do like a superstar rundown of Goldberg and how great he is and his success? And he had one of the longest undefeated streaks. You know, we went to Survivor Series 2016. He beat Brock Lesnar in what 20 seconds to close out the show. He beat Brock Lesnar in 20 seconds, and this guy has the nerve to come back, go to Saudi Arabia, get a payday. And a title. And potentially now ruining The Fiend forever. That's all I got to say. Well, not potentially. It's, it's over. But, uh, yeah, there was a one of two ways this was going to play out. Alino called the most unpredictable way, and, of course, that would fucking happen. But uh, what did I say last week? There's going to be a ruckus going forward either way, so this is going to be fun. Let's see. The only thing that I liked coming out of it is the potential if Goldberg were to be a heel. Because it would be actually hilarious if he were to come out looking as old as he is and just being like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the universal champion. You guys could all suck my dick, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm the best. It would be new. Like, it would. It literally, before. that's what I mean. It would be new. And I feel like Roman Reigns, I think he will get cheered. I know you. we all said we don't think he will. I think people hate Goldberg that much. He could potentially get cheered. I'd like to see this actually heal Goldberg because I think it would be new, it would be fresh. We don't see it, and he is a victim of taking himself a little too seriously at times. So uh, I think Goldberg, I think Paul Heyman's actually involved with this uh, whole booking. So I think it won't be too much of a disaster. But Goldberg <laughs> and Roman, I think Goldberg, what they should do is uh, have him come out with the fireworks, do all the thing where he twitches and all that shit, and <laughs> get on the mic and say, you know what? I hate all of you in WWE. Uh, this company makes me happy being the world champ because Vince McMahon for years has torn every single thing about WCW, every name like Booker T, Sting, everyone, and he gave me a title shot and I took advantage of it. And uh, I'm going to keep this title and beat all your heroes to get back at this company because I hate them so much. And I think that might be something fresh. And then when Roman beats them, everyone can cheer and Goldberg can... Uh, take a little break for a little bit i just feel like as well when you talk about potential mania matches and we talk about a lot of people talk about brock versus roman like at 31 how personal it got i can kind of see it panning out that way this year if vince wants to kind of go the non-pg way where you can kind of have that acceptable match where there's blood i feel like this could I feel, you know, Roman Reigns, I feel like he's open to doing whatever it takes. So I feel like if Vince were to sit down with both of them and be like, yeah, we're going to make this a no DQ, I could see this getting really personal in the ring. And I could see it kind of being like a WrestleMania 31 with Brock and Roman. I love the fantasy scenarios, boys. But uh, I think it's going to play out exactly how we think it's going to play out. You saw Roman on SmackDown come up to Goldberg and just say I'm next and walk away it's going to be a lot of one-liners it's going to be a lot of oh two weeks we don't see this guy two weeks we don't see the next guy we're going to split the screen in half and do a stupid sit-down interview it's going to I don't it's going to be a lot of that it's going to be a lot of talking going forward and then you're going to see a nice little five-minute brawl to end it and hopefully Roman comes out on top and uh you look online the reaction it's getting WWE some publicity uh Macaulay Culkin, who uh, we all know and love from Home Alone, great movie during the holiday season. He said he's canceling his plans for Tampa, and he actually like said, I'm, I'm canceling, I'm not going to WrestleMania now. Goldberg fired back at Kevin and said, uh, dork, I'm happy. <laughs> the nerve on Goldberg, like, that's not something you want to do, piss off Kevin McAllister. 
<laughs> he will give you nightmares, even worse than what the Fiend can offer you. So Goldberg, run. He'll be setting up those traps all around the ring. He could even make a deal with the Wet Bandits if he could. He could make his little faction, and you could have the Wet Bandits and, and Macaulay Culkin versus Goldberg. There it is. And I think, uh, I think it's safe to say that with Macaulay Culkin's creative mind, He's definitely winning that because Goldberg is just an old grandpa and he's stupid. And, and <laughs> he come to the ring, slip over something, both his shoulders would be torn off. He crawls in the ring and he sets a pin. You know what? We should just bash Goldberg for a whole hour and see if he calls out our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these three idiots here? They don't know me. They don't know the struggles and the, the, the history that I've had to go through to come here and beat the fiend and bury him and bury all this new young talent. I got the big golden shovel. <laughs> Can you imagine if they get really personal though and say like Goldberg like going on that thing of hating WWE brings up Bret Hart and says oh you know I ended his career and they say did I do it on by accident or was it on purpose get everyone going like I think Goldberg can cut a real good heel promo because he takes himself too seriously and I think it would actually work for him but uh, just the matchup <laughs> another another thing that they could easily do is seen as Jericho is freaking flawless in AEW and Goldberg has some history with Jericho he could bring up oh you know uh, the other guy in AEW he's doing pretty damn well without all you out there so you guys can all blank so he's got a lot of he's got a lot of content Goldberg he can work with if he wants to turn heel but I really want to see that I don't want to see this face versus face bullshit spear versus spear I don't like I don't want to see that Back to what I see. You're going to have to nail these sit-down interviews because there's going to be a lot of talking going forward. And if they can make it that personal and, well, everyone seems to hate it. So if you can get some sort of interest in that promo. We're not worried. It's just, it's getting to that. We're not worried about Roman. <laughs> I'm just talking about the match because, like, it's all about the build-up for me because everyone knows what the match is going to be, like you just said. Well, yeah. I mean, we could talk about the building. They've been building the Drew and Brock, I think, perfectly. I think that's a... That's the match where I'm looking at. I'm circling it at Mania, and that's that should headline. That should main event. Oh, that piss people off if it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> if they put uh, Shane on Becky. Oh, oh no, man. no, I don't think that has the the spark this year that it did last year. Like Becky's character, all in all, I don't think she has that media attention. It's kind of worn off. It's like, look what happened with Seth. It's worn off. It happens. Yeah. So right now it's all Brock and Drew and. I, I I love Drew. I think uh, what what he did on Raw last night that was a statement. Kicked the shit out of him twice. Crowd was loving it. I'm kind of worried. Uh oh. No, no. <laughs> Brock's <laughs> been on way too much. I think uh, they're front loading the deal. Give him some load management in April, May, and June. Because <laughs> last year he came back a little too soon. I thought maybe August he'd be back after Money in the Bank, but. They pushed that up a little bit this year. I was thinking, Brock coming in January, work all the shows in March and February. We'll give you some time off. Yeah, I feel like that's ex- that's exactly going to happen. Drew's going to beat him, and then we're not going to see Brock. We're not even going to see him the next night on Raw. You pop in mid-August. Yeah, sure. There it is. I think the <laughs> next night, Brock's going to come to the ring, and either Keith Lee or uh, someone else will attack him and that would be like the send-off. I think you should just F5 Heyman and then walk out and not say anything for <laughs> Poor months. Paul. <laughs> Heyman can't take a spot like that. Just F5, everyone loses it. You don't hear a fucking word till SummerSlam. Yeah, that, that would be perfect. Who, would his, who do you think he would face at SummerSlam? Finn Balor? Whoever has that title. I would like to see him come back after Drew and see like kind of a – I don't know if you're going to see a different side of Brock at this point, but if he can mix it up somehow – like know. be even more vicious? Maybe, yeah. And the fact if he were to dump Heyman, that's... I'd like to see him as a tag team with our troop <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my. What's up? And he has, like, a thing where he's, like, going like that. Yeah, and then you have our uh, truth pretend that they're the women's tag champs, and he brings out the women's titles. Ooh. And be like, yeah, I'm the... And he looks down, and then Brock's like, are you an idiot? That's not the right title. A lot of potential here, clearly. Yeah, we should be a part of creative, but we've been saying that. We say that every freaking week. I feel like everyone does. We watch the show and be like, I can fucking book this. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, going on now, another match we have, uh, set for WrestleMania, John Cena, who it looked like he was uh, calling it a career in Boston, fitting, goes to the stage, The Fiend shows up and uh, just points, and Cena nods a little hat, and uh, we got a match made. So uh, are we... Excited for Cena Bray Part Two at WrestleMania. I'm I'm very nervous. I'm uh, I'm assuming 
the Fiend's going to win because he should fucking win. But uh, just as a WWE fan, there's always something at the back of your mind saying, okay, they could fuck it up this way, they could fuck it up this way, this way, and this way. But this would be nice for Cena if this is his way to go out. Nice little redemption for uh, for Bray going forward from five, six years prior. So, yeah, this is another money-making match. You look at these two characters going at it, so hopefully it's awesome. I remember the build for their match at Mania 30 was nothing short of great. I remember... Um, when they attacked Cena and they had Cena, they put Cena in the sheet mask and then Cena was, you know, he had the whole Bray Wyatt costume on and that was pretty cool. So I hope this is not just one of those where they did this and then we don't see them till April, like till the match. Cause I really do want to see a build with Cena, even though he has been probably more limited than Brock Lesnar at this point. So, uh, I want to see the fiend obviously win. I don't see The Fiend winning. I see John Cena winning this and kind of proving to people that he still has maybe another title in him, maybe one more, and then he can kind of call it quits. I know you guys are looking at me kind of worried, but it's WWE. Goldberg's our champ right now, so me saying this is not far-fetched at all. Um, But if John Cena were to beat The Fiend at WrestleMania, the biggest question is, What's next for The Fiend after that? Because <laughs> is it Finn Balor again? NXT. Like, I, don't I, I honestly don't think people will care if he loses. <clears throat> that, that, yeah, that's what I mean. Because Cena's been gone for so long. So it's like, oh, uh, The Fiend lost? Okay. Let's cheer for Cena one more time before he dips again. So I don't know. I feel like, I feel like him losing, it wouldn't get as much backlash as people think it would. I don't know. It's just my opinion. Maybe just because... Uh the way it just happened, they can't possibly top that. Well, they, also the fans, you saw how excited they were when they like when they agreed to it. They were really like, yes, 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 yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, we, we've already seen this match, but okay, we'll, we'll do it again. So with all this said, it's clearly going to be John Cena versus Goldberg for the Universal title. Yes, at SummerSlam. That's what we all got from this. Oh, shit. That's Can you imagine this was a match at Mania like this year? Cena and Goldberg? Like Scratch Roman. Probably was the plans and everything got pushed back like Alino was saying. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, that would have that been awful. But uh, speaking of part-timers, AJ Styles, it looks like, he is set to take on The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Came out on Raw, cut a promo, saying that he's phenomenal, that uh, <laughs> he knocked Aleister Black dead and then uh, pinned him like The Undertaker. So what's the deal with AJ and Undertaker? doesn't have to fucking happen but it's happening so uh just kind of like what's been happening every single year with aj other than the shinsuke match he had he's been shafted every year at mania and this is no different so i'm going with the undertaker winning and i'm gonna say that aj tries to put forth his best match with the undertaker (laughs) that's literally it if someone can get a match out of the undertaker it's aj styles i don't give a fuck how old they are. <laughs> yeah, I hope that, I hope he has fun with it because I really don't see AJ winning under any circumstances. But uh, hopefully Taker shows up a few times. They could work a little bit together, get the build going. But I, I didn't see the full Aleister Black segment, but just hearing you guys talk about it before the pod kind of pissed me off just because he's been rolling. the la- like the, They do a lot of squash matches, but with Black, he makes them look beautiful and does them to perfection. And you kind of thought something would be on the verge of maybe, and then you do that kind of a stepping stone. They just the use, yeah, they literally just used him as a hurdle so for AJ. So I don't like that. We'll see with Black, but Styles and Taker, it's all nostalgia mania like we've been saying. So kill it, boys. You thought nostalgia mania was bad last year. It's running wild this year with Hulkamania also probably making a, Ooh, an appearance. It. Can you imagine a few wrestles, though? The Tampa mm. crowd, oh, Hulkster's backyard. Oh, ripping is. off the NWO shirt. <laughs> it's just like WrestleMania 30 at the Silverdome Ooh. all over again. Watch him save Cena, and then they close the show together. Cena. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> then I would have seen everything. Close the show at Mania. I would have seen it all. Hogan and Fiend, they did have the little thing going at it on SmackDown. They did. When they split the, th- hey, when they split the fucking Tron in half. So there you go. He can come in, help Cena, and then they'll close the show. And it's a big – Vince will fucking love that, that ending. 
Cena and Hogan at WrestleMania, fireworks going off, beating the biggest bad guy you possibly have. There's my fantasy booking. Cena, Roman, Hulk Hogan, all at a show. Vince is loving life. He is. Um, I don't really know what to expect, though, going back to uh, AJ and and The Undertaker. I think when you think of CM Punk and The Undertaker, that's probably the best Undertaker you had since his matches with Shawn, I think, at least. The, the Punk and that mania was awful. Mania 20, yes. 29, I'm looking back Every at matches, it. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Swagger, Del Rio, like no business being a heavyweight match at a mania no way I, like that had no business i know they tried with zeb coulter and swagger and we the people and that was awesome but yeah uh can you guys see it kind of being like a punk and undertaker or is undertaker way past Ooh. that time god i know what i just said styles can bring it out of him, but that was easily the best match on that card i think it saved that show um i don't think we're getting to those standards those days might be over I still believe Styles can pull it out of them, though, and they could, they could work something. What are you expecting? Like eleven minutes? It shouldn't be more than fifteen. Not minutes. a squash. Hopefully, what they did with Cena, but um, you just think of these two guys, like two guys in their prime. Like this is a fucking dream match. Yeah. Undertaker is. in his prime, Styles in his prime. Two oh completely different styles. So I think they can. It's obviously not going to be what people imagine, but they can play it up to some points. Like Taker, still you can. Work with Styles a bit. It's not going to be like a Lesnar and just two guys fucking smashing each other and all that. It should be all right. I really hope, yeah. I really hope Mark brings his A game that day. <laughs> yeah, AJ's going to sell the shit out of every single move and uh, make Undertaker look as good as possible. But I'm expecting a 20-minute entrance from Undertaker <laughs> and a 10-minute match. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really don't know what to expect. But how about we talk about one more nostalgia match? Just one more. Randy Orton yeah. and Edge. Who is winning this one? Is it safe to say that with all the sick shit that Randy's been doing, is Edge going to get the pinfall here? I'll go with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most interested I've been in Orton in Ever. probably 10, 11 years. Yeah, 09. Yeah. yeah. 11 so, years? like, his, his promos, you just believe him when he speaks. He's he's vicious. He's that sick son of a bitch that we've been missing. So, the RKO to Beth was fucking hilarious. I am just loving Randy Orton right now. <laughs> just that whole promo he cut. <laughs> he's like, I love you. I love your girls. I did that for Edge because I thought someone like me is going to come and put him in a wheelchair. So, I did that for you. Like, I put him out, like, with a chair and everything. So, he could be a good father and husband. And then he said she was at fault. She's the enabler. And he shared that story of like being 19 and going backstage and Ed shaking his dad's hand in his hand. And Orton's amazing. Yeah. When he brings this side out of him, I just hope for WrestleMania when that time comes to the match, he says uh, he's bringing back the legend killer and uh, goes full on nostalgia with that. But Orton Edge could possibly be one of the show stealers. I see Christian getting involved. And Edge getting the win. I just feel like this is going to be match of the night. And I feel, um, well, first of all, when we saw Edge out at the Royal Rumble, this guy had abs. He had like a six-pack almost. So he's probably in the best shape that we've seen him in in a long time. Um, he's not the flabby Edge from 2010, 2011, 2008, you know, those days where he was still main eventing and doing his thing. But... I just see this match panning out just either being a no-holds-barred, no-DQ. You're going all out. You're going to have interferences. But you know how I would end this? He goes for the punt. He goes maniacally, and Edge just spears the shit out of him, and that is the match. Like, you know how he kind of just, like, slowly walks? You just have Edge get up, spear him, and that is the match. I, I think Edge has to win this. <laughs> If you think about, like, history and just the story with Edge coming back from injury, kind of like what happened with Brian. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like it's kind of predictable, but what Randy's doing is just A+. Plus. The builds have just been amazing for uh, a few of these promos. A few of them. These segments so far. <laughs> I mean, uh, you can't say that the build for uh, Roman and Goldberg has nope. been oh. amazing. We're done with that. Yeah, the, the Drew and Brock one, beautiful. But, uh. The other thing, Orton, when he attacked Matt Hardy a couple weeks ago, find out 
contract is officially expired. As he put a YouTube video up saying that he's leaving the company, AEW, like not so long after, posted a picture that just says the exalted one, leading fans to believe Matt Hardy is the leader of the Dark Order. Could we see Matt Hardy tomorrow night on Dynamite? You're going to see Matt Hardy tomorrow night. No, you'll see him the next week. I've <laughs> <laughs> been hearing this for fucking months now, and Matt, as Matt was still employed there, you're like you see him on Raw, like, oh, he's rumors he's doing this, but no, I just saw him there. But <laughs> it, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> you, you finally have a leader for that tag team if Matt's been... I say Matt's been doing his best work, but Matt just does amazing work all the time. Mo- a motivated Matt Hardy, dude, there's really not much better. So wherever he goes, I, I could care less. I'm a fan of him. He'll knock it out of the park regardless. Def- yeah, he's the definition of consistency, and he'll he'll do good things wherever he goes. I think the Dark Order is the future of the tag team division there. I think they've put way too much stock in, obviously, the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks and I think it was the first three months it felt like that's all we got was just those two so now that you have like you have uh, the dark order you have a uh, private party you have all these other tag teams i feel like if matt hardy were to come in and even if he were to bring his brother nero along at some point down the line the dark order could be a scary faction maybe we could see that faction go up against y2j's faction in jericho there it is so uh yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I guess we could talk now about the AEW pay-per-view that kind of just happened, Revolution. Orange Cassidy is a star. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, this guy kind of looks like a Chiselli <laughs> with the glasses, you know, the, the, the thumbs. And Pac, Pac is just – he's one of the best he's too. Amazing. He's amazing. Just Let's just talk about that match for a second. What were your expectations going in, Alino? And were you surprised with the result? I was. Uh, I thought this would be like a three-minute squash. Like, Orange Cassie would do his thing where he puts his hands in his pocket and Pac just beats the crap out of him. But Orange Cassidy fooled him. He actually tried. He took, had the glasses off. He ran, did some moves, and then he still had, like, the sloth style. Where yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But, yeah, these two made it work. Pac selling his moves. Amazing. These two guys have great chemistry. I hope we see this match again for maybe a title down the road if they introduce a mid-card title i think this would be a, a perfect program to go for it my biggest question is what is orange cassidy's baby face ceiling in the company that's a tough one champion i don't know if he'll ever get to that world champion status just because of his stick that yes. he does he's the type of guy though like you either love him or you hate him yeah that comedy style wrestling He's like, you have people that see it and you're like, that's ruining the business. Or you, you watch that and you laugh like we do. And you're like, this guy's hilarious. And so the fact that Pac can work with someone like that, that type of style is fucking amazing for Pac. Yeah. And like, I, we already viewed him as like one of the top guys out there in the wrestling world. But like to work with a guy like Orange Cassidy, everyone think it's going to be five minutes and it's, it's a lengthy match and they're going at it and they're making everything work. It was just storytelling at its finest for those two. Yeah, probably one of the best matches of the night. Um, how about the Dean? Uh, sorry, Dean. John Moxley winning the AEW title from Chris Legendary Jericho. Is it was it too soon, Alino? I think so. I would have had Jericho hold on to it for another few months, maybe drop it at double or nothing in May. But going with Moxley right now, where do you go from there? Because Jericho is just. Uh, the stable is actually picking up a lot of momentum with Sammy Guevara and uh, Jake Hager. And I think it was going in the right direction. They could have pushed it along. But now with Moxley as champ, it's kind of just putting a hold on those plans. So it's going to be interesting now. What he does next, maybe he faces Jericho again. But uh, I was digging Jericho as champ. I have this feeling that Jericho is going to win the title right back. <laughs> and you know why? Because of his beautiful faction, Jack Hager is going to fuck over John Moxley. <laughs> Dean Ambrose versus Jack Swagger. That's what it's come down to with Chris Jericho in the picture. See, WWE is everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. They're Always watching. Everywhere. They're watching. But uh, any anything else that really stood out from Revolution for you? Yeah, they got the tag match with uh, Kenny Omega, Hangman, taking on the Young Bucks, the Bucks of Youth. 
That was a pretty good match. Uh, like Kenny Omega in this, I think he needs to be eventually the world champ. I would have liked for him to take the title off Jericho, but uh, I like what they're doing. Hangman's eventually going to turn heel, and uh, him and Omega could be the best feud going in AEW. They've been hinting before after like their second main pay-per-view when they started with the Hangman uh, promos. And he started showing like a vicious side to himself. Like, remember, he had that scab on his eye, and he busted it open. He's like yelling into the camera. So I would love to see more of that from him. And fuck, if you're working with Kenny Omega, like it doesn't get much better. So it doesn't. That tag match was awesome. Yeah. Not MJF beating uh, Cody. That was a surprise. They, yeah, I, think, I think they, ha- I think they have high hopes for MJF. Like I think he's going to be. If if it's not Jericho to take it off Moxley, I wouldn't be surprised if they just give it to him right away. MJF. Well, they already have him showing up at weather networks in their local cities when they're traveling. The guy's just those fucking stars. He's, he's a, 24 years yeah, old. Yeah, he's right? literally a star already. Huge heel, dumping beer. <laughs> <laughs> Calling oh, girls whores. Funny, yeah, just to get an autograph. Oh, uh, two whore. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Jesus. Why do you want my autograph, huh? Because I got money? <laughs> whore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I just... Cody's also involvement in AEW, I feel like he's kind of like a, I'm not going to say a Triple H, but I don't think he's going to win a title in AEW. I don't think he's going to win the the AEW title at least anytime soon. Do you guys see him really winning it? I don't see him winning the title. I just don't think that's in his nature for him to book himself. Kind of like what Kevin Nash did all those years ago. Should have been the first thing he'd done to get yeah. the company going. Be like, yeah, uh, I'm Cody. Yeah, I'm winning the title. So, yeah. It's like, this is the string. You're all grabbing the string, and I'm just, yeah. <laughs> you guys are all coming for me, but I'm the one holding it. So I started it. I'm the reason you have a job, so I have the title. Fuck the you. fact that it's been uh, was a year and a half into their existence, something like that. Yeah, about it's been, what, like yeah, 15 months? Yeah. Yeah, and the that. fact that... Uh, Cody's name hasn't really been mentioned at all for like the world title stuff. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be a huge deal when he wins it. They should probably hold off on that for a little while. But him and Triple H, though, like Cody's still what, 32, 33 years old. So I think they're in like very different situations where Cody's still maybe got another 10 years full time work going on. Yeah, I think he, right now he's just trying to find out the talent the talent pool in his own business. I feel like he's just looking around saying, oh, we got, you know, Darby Allen's incredible. I think he'll be a AEW champion in the future. MJF is 24 and already headlining things. And, and of course, Kenny and Pac and Orange Cassidy and you have all these other talents. So you can't forget the free agents that are eventually going to go to AEW. There's so many. I, I can't. I just signed a, They just signed Colt Cabana recently. Oh, AEW. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, just uh, that was probably to rub salt in CM Punk's wounds there. Yeah, yeah, no, that's old stuff. That's 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 so CM Punk to AEW is uh, off the table. Yeah, it's not happening. We'll I don't, see. I don't even think Punk's gonna wrestle again. I don't see it happening. Everyone's like, oh, he's gonna face Rollins a Mania. No, he's not. That's not. That's not happening. <laughs> Would be a nice last match for him after the the Rumble fiasco. Was that his, was that his last match technically? Yeah. If that, if that, oh man, that was the worst Lasted last the match I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna last. You, you come in at number one, you're gonna last an hour, and you're gonna get eliminated by a 47 year old Kane with the fucking dress pants. <laughs> Corporate Kane. Just yeah. dumps him over. Like and then he chokeslammed him through the announce table. Yep, I want my release. What was the feud supposed? Uh, Triple A. I yeah, thought it was supposed Triple to be Eight. Kane. It's yeah, Kane and Punk at Mania. That's gonna sell. <laughs> That, that's dumb. That we could talk. Yeah, it's Triple H. I guess now we got to move on. Talk about some hoop. We got to talk about that matchup that we saw the other night between Zion Williamson and LeBron James. Now I know that there was no AD, there was no Davis, but the fact that LeBron James defeated the New Orleans Pelicans. After making that Davis trade without Anthony Davis present, is that one of the most savage moments you've seen in a long time? Or are you not surprised because it's the king? I'm not really surprised. I don't want to downplay it because, like, yeah, Davis is obviously amazing and it's the one-two punch and LeBron's got to carry a good chunk of the fucking load. But we've been seeing LeBron do it for years with those Cavs teams and carrying those fucking slugs to the final. But, uh... (laughs) 
Yeah, that was a very fun matchup. And a, and a night there was only like two or three games on TV, so everyone's everyone was it. pretty much watching that. And they both they both really Zion had what thirty five career night, and then Le, LeBron going off. So that was an awesome night for both. Yeah. I want to see Zion uh, in the playoffs as an eighth seed. I don't think they can catch Memphis. Might be out of reach just a little bit. Like four wins back, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So if. Zion started earlier, came back from injury earlier. I think they would have had a chance, but now they have to make up too much ground, and Memphis is playing well. Uh, yeah, it would have been a fun matchup, though, because uh, I think Zion, with a full season under his belt on this Pelicans team, they could uh, scare a lot of people in the Western Conference, but we'll have to wait for next year to find that out. What has impressed you guys most so far of Zion's first? I think it's been, I think it's been around 15 games now. What has impressed you guys the most with Zion's game? This might sound kind of dumb because it's the main thing about his game, but how physically dominant he is. Because yeah. you hear about it all the time with specimens coming out of high school or college, and then you kind of you think, like, oh, is it really going to translate, though, to the NBA level? And you look at all the giants that are playing in the league, and it's, it's a mismatch every night. He trucks guys, and it's a scary thought to think about what he's going to be like five, ten years down the line. So... I'm just going to go with his overall strength. <laughs> yeah, same thing. <laughs> Everything you said, because he's playing against grown-ass men, and uh, he's bullying them. Just putting his will out there, pushing them aside, going for those dunks and layups like nothing. It's like he's playing in college sometimes, depending on who's guarding him. So next year, the year after, once he gets uh, even more muscular, well, I don't even think it's possible, but... Once he gets those programs in, those NBA uh, training sessions in in the summer, it's going to be a scary player. Do you see this guy improving his three-point game to the point where he's like a constant threat, or do you think he's more of that mid-close-range shooter like in his career? Because like, a lot of people, they kind of – they say he molds his game off Blake Griffin, and we say that Blake Griffin was probably one of the most physically dominant rookies Coming in in 09, he was just he looked like a, a man among boys in his draft class. He went ahead of guys like Harden, and that was one of the best draft classes 09. So, um, do you guys do you guys see Zion kind of improving his three point game, kind of like how Giannis has, or do you see him kind of sticking more to the mid range, like a Demar Derozan? I think for now, stick with the mid range. But you know, the kids what 19. I think over time, you're gonna see. He'll be, I think he'll be a capable shooter from three. But his main thing will just be get the ball and fucking drive because no one's stopping you. Yeah, I would hold off on the threes. Let uh, J.J. Redick, Lonzo, Hart, and uh, Ingram worry about that and just be you, go in, take it to the net, and that's it. But uh, I think even a few three-point lessons, I think he'll still be better than uh, Simmons, more reliable to shoot threes. Uh, Simmons, he's a guy who needs to work on that as a point guard, but if you're a guy like Zion... I don't want him taking too many threes. I want him right near the basket, tossing guys around and putting on dunks. I want to transition very quickly to the 76ers. Both Joel Embiid, separate or strained shoulder. He's out two weeks. Ben Simmons is out, I think it's four weeks with that back injury. What happens with the Philly 76ers? We just saw the other day, Shake Milton dropped 39 points, a career high for Philly. This is a guy that rarely shoots. He rarely gets the opportunity. He went, I think, 17 of 20 from the floor. You're not going to get that a lot if rarely. 17 for 20. Yeah, he he, he, <laughs> he missed three shots. He was 7 of 9 from three against apparently the best defensive team in basketball in the Clippers. So my biggest question now to you guys with these two big injuries, Embiid and Simmons, where do you guys see Philly finishing? Do you see them finishing in the fifth, the sixth, the seventh? Uh, damn. I don't know. I think seventh is a, it's a bit of a gap from the sixth to seventh spot. But the Pacers are solid. Oh, I mean like after that. Oh, so Brooklyn and so, Orlando. Like, who would we play? Brooklyn? Brooklyn. And then it's Pacers have like four or five on them. I think Brooklyn and Orlando were barely a 500 team. And they're in <laughs> yeah, the playoffs. Same thing in the West there. But uh, that is just brutal for philly um two weeks and then simmons is around two or three or it's two to four weeks yeah so it's guys like harris and horford who has been inconsistent all year have really got to step up Corkmus has come into a couple 30 point games there so it's really going to test their depth now but from them i'm avoiding that uh that boston matchup so oh yeah maybe stay in the four or five spot but either way that's it's a big loss 
I'm evaluating this team from the GM. If they don't make it out of the second round, I'm trading one of them at the draft. And who is, who yeah, would you trade? Probably Embiid. To Miami and get all their shooters to come, screw them over, let those two guys implode, and then you got shooters around Simmons. Go after some depth free agents because you already have Horford, who could probably play another two years or a reliable production point for the team. But I would go after some depth, keep Simmons, get a ton of shooters who can shoot the three, and let him be him, and not have to worry about him beat anymore. Cool. You say we want Hero and Duncan Robinson. Yeah, we'll just give you Joel. It's fine. No problem. <laughs> give us a couple first-rounders and we're good. <laughs> I, f- I feel like, though, Hero is an untouchable. Like, that's how good he can be. I feel like he's an untouchable. Who are there other... Uh... Like, I I would easily try and get Duncan Robinson if I'm yeah. Philly because Al Horford is not shooting the three like he should be. And it's I think it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to try and trade Al Horford in the offseason because it just has not worked out. He's on that ma- He's on a max deal. It's just not looking good. They 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 gave him and Harris huge deals this summer, and both of them have just been completely underwhelming. If you're a Max player like Max and Stephen A. have said over and over, Harris should be shooting at least 15 a game, and this year he's been shooting like 9, 10 a game. He's not aggressive. So I feel like Horford, Embiid, these big guys – I think they're on the way out. I agree with you guys. Maybe Embiid going. I just want to say, I don't think a max player should be your third or fourth best, but that's just me. But uh, the Horford one's more puzzling to me because they specifically got him because he was a matchup nightmare for Embiid when he was in Boston. Yeah. And they get him, and they think this is the backup they get, and it's just like they're worse together when they're on. <laughs> so I, th- I remember before the season started, we were talking about I was talking about Al Horford being the X factor in the whole conference. And he's just been flat out disappointing. Everyone saying it's age, which I think is kind of absurd. He's 31. He got drafted in 07, the same year that KD did. So I don't think age, unless, man, like maybe he's playing injured. I don't know. But even what he said, remember what he when they interviewed him and he said that there was uh, – stuff going on in the locker room he just openly said it and it's one just, of the very few veteran guys yeah it's like come on man you shouldn't be shouldn't be exposing that yeah, to the to the media money. i don't think he cares <laughs> so I, I do agree with you guys i don't know if miami is the destination even though joel Embiid is hinted with jimmy butler that would be a that would be scary if joel Embiid and butler were again on the same team yeah i don't want to see that um yeah. but yeah, I really don't know what to think with the 76ers. I mean, I was praising them like two months ago, and I don't know if they're even a contender anymore. Like, they're there. At home, they're probably the best team, which they is are, which is, sure. which yeah. is hilarious. But, again, like what Max and Stephen A have been saying over and over, like, is this process really – is it really going to work in the long run? I don't think it is. Just the way the East has been built now with Miami all of a sudden, even though they've actually been pretty bad lately. They just lost to Cleveland. They blew a 20-point lead the other night. But, again, they didn't have Butler. I don't think they've had Bam either playing. So injuries have uh, added up this Eastern Conference. But what are you guys' thoughts on teams like Boston who just keep winning and guys like Jason Tatum who continuously continue to get better? Is Boston the new Philly for you guys? I don't know if they're the new Philly, but uh, I don't know. I feel like I've always had Boston – kind of ahead of Philly oh just because when you think of Philly you think of all this team with all the talent but they can never put it together kind of like the Leafs so (laughs) so you just look at Boston and they just have they're so deep they have so many scoring wingers and Tatum going off right now is just perfect timing for them so yeah I put them right in the mix probably closer to the top of the east right now yeah I have Boston past Philly based on how they can play on the road but Kemba Walker unbelievable player needs some more time in the playoffs uh i don't know though boss I, I like the raptors matching up with boston more than the raptors matching up against philly because gasol like you can match up with Embiid, but then you have to worry about more pieces there the raptors play boston eventually in the second round maybe that matchup wouldn't be too bad for them based on the height that they have on their team I think for us we'd have to get our trees back yeah i feel like we better i think we're actually better matched with philly than boston i i think just based off of okay unless horford and harris turn it up yeah. then maybe then we're screwed but 
I, yeah, I like Gasol against Embiid. I like I like OG against Simmons. I like the way Serge has been playing. I'll take him over anyone. Yeah, Serge has been probably a top ten center this year, and no one really talks about the Raps enough. We say this every week. The Raps are still right there. They're right. They're missing probably one piece. And you know, you talk about guys like I was talking about this actually yesterday with a coworker. You need a guy that will spark the fans and bring that momentum kind of like in hockey you have like Marshawn Gallagher Kadri like those guys how about a guy like an Alex Caruso he comes out and the fans just absolutely adore him he brings all the hype you know who would have done that I think for the raps like you said Vince Carter you bring him back the fans probably would have ate up those 10 minutes would have probably been on their feet especially in a playoff game I think Messiah Jury maybe uh might have missed a huge opportunity there with getting maybe another momentum guy in Vince Carter. It would be very nice to see. But uh, but do you see what I'm saying, though? Like yeah. uh, like a guy where like he comes on the floor and everyone's just, oh, yeah, Caruso, look at this guy. He's dunking, doing everything. It's kind of, I think the Raps, if they got a player like that, I feel like they could easily be the favorites. Yeah, they had that with Kawhi last year. This year it's hard to replace that. Vince Carter would have done it. It's a shame his last game's going to come in Atlanta. But... Yeah, I think I, we see him in July sign the one day like all those like Paul Pierce did and Kevin Garnett did, and he retires a Raptor. Yeah, That's the way it should be. Yeah. Um, moving forward, uh, I guess we got to talk about February is a great month. We talk about a lot of different players. Uh, a lot of people always bring up LeBron and Giannis being MVPs, but who has your, been your player of the month? This has been a pretty interesting month. We see guys like Bradley Beal. Jason Tatum, guys like Trey Young dropping. I think he averaged 30 and 10 in the month. Who has been your MVP of February? I'm going to roll back a bit here and go with Zion. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah so he's been healthy the last couple months now or so, and this is the first time everyone's consistently seeing him play at this level. And uh, I don't know if people are surprised or not. If I, I'm surprised. He's, yeah, we, you know. I'm going to be repeating the same thing, but he's just been trucking guys and he's getting the matchups every night. And so I'd probably go with him as my MVP. Going to go uh, stick with that draft class. Going to go with John Moran. Oh, shit. I like him. He's not afraid to step up to guys. He's uh, not intimidated by uh, all these big stars. He wants to be with them right now and compete. And it's only He's a rookie and uh, going after Harden and uh, going after Steph Curry on Twitter. And I like that in a player. Like, he's not... He's not too like crazy with his decision making at times with the risk taking. Like he does the risks that he knows he can actually like the dunk over people. Like doesn't do crazy stuff that puts his team in jeopardy. I think he's smart for a rookie player in his first year. He got great basketball IQ. So I like what I see in him. Him and JV could be a nice little duo next year. So yeah, John Morant. That's crazy. Mine's Jason Tatum for sure. Uh, he's probably been the best Celtic I've seen since probably Paul Pierce or Kevin Garnett. I know that everyone says that Kyrie Irving is better than Tatum. Um, No, not right now. He's not. Uh, Jalen Brown's a star. This team is deadly. Um, But you know what? Now we got to move on to hockey. And now I got to talk about a player who's getting paid $9.5 million. And when he got paid this contract, we kind of were like, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? And um, he now has 107 points in 64 games. His name's Leon Dreisaitl. Is it safe to say he is on that McDavid McKinnon pedestal, at least this year? Is do And do you think this is a consistent thing? Or do you think this is just because he's... McDavid's line mate. Uh, this year, yes, he's with those guys. Um, consistently, I I don't see him getting a hundred every year, just because no one really does it anymore. It's kind of hard, but uh, yeah, I do think he he is that kind of player. I don't think I think it's McDavid and then the field. So I put him right there with the field. I put him with McKinnon and Eichel and and Pasta and all those guys. Uh, Leon is for real. Yeah. Yeah, he's a beast. Uh, making Germany proud, being their guy. Before, all they had was Christian Ehrhoff to really <laughs> support. Now they got Dreisaitl, 
might see some more German hockey players. Maybe they'll uh, start promoting that in their country. Soccer seems to be like the big thing for them. But you see Drysaddle, what he's able to do, just manhandle people, score at will this season. I really like what I'm seeing out of him. I think he could play center with uh, some of the guys if they want to add some depth and be like matchmaking problems for other teams. They got McDavid, Nuge, and Drysaddle. So shit. that's uh, finally something positive for Edmonton. They'll manage to fuck it all up, though. Let's be real. <laughs> so uh, it, for right now, though, I'm going to put uh, Dry Settle in that uh, heart discussion. I think he's played to it. He deserves it over McDavid, who will probably win it for the next like five years straight. So for this year, I'd give it uh, Dry Settle. Well, he has 13 points ahead of McDavid, which to me is actually pretty surprising. And I think McDavid's only missed four games. So. Dreisaitl has arguably been a better offensive player than the best offensive player we've seen since Sidney Crosby. So, um, yeah, my next thing that I want to really talk about is the Hart Trophy. Um, we've talked about great, great players. Like, this guy just brought up Pasternak. He brought up McKinnon, Panarin. All these guys are in this Hart Trophy conversation. Another guy named Nikita Kucherov now, Tampa Bay's one, I think. 17 of their last 20 and now Stamkos is out with that injury we'll talk about that in a little bit but yeah who's uh who's your front runner for the Hart Trophy I know there's McDavid there he's always going to be there but I have actually a different answer I want you guys to answer first though yeah I'm going to go dry saddle for me right now and uh in that discussion I'm going to put Nathan McKinnon and Austin Matthews oh uh <laughs> I'm going Nathan McKinnon and if I had to go runner-up, I'll go with Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Artemi Panarin, New York Rangers. And the only reason why this is not confirmed is because they're not in the playoff spot yet. When the Rangers make the playoffs, which I think they will, he should be your heart winner. And, uh, yeah, I'm sticking with the Rangers making the playoffs. Uh, I think Philly is not going to make it. I think out of all the teams – they have the biggest hole, and that's in net. Right now they have Elliott, I think, and Carter Hart. To me, that's just not good enough. Even though you could argue you can argue the same thing with the Rangers, with Shashorkin and Lundqvist and Georgiev. They're kind of all not the greatest goalies, but Panarin's just been getting it done. He's arguably been better than Patrick Kane this season. And uh, my biggest question is, why did Chicago trade Artemi Panarin in the first place? They're stupid. <laughs> I think you look at that core and uh... – Kane and Taves and Keith and Seabrook and they're all you know they were all playing at the time and still putting up those numbers and thought we still have a good five six years of this productivity from these guys so we'll just ship this Russian out we got for free anyways and it did not really pay off no not at all uh, if anything Panarin might actually be better than Patrick Kane right now but uh, I don't want to say that because people might shoot me for that so I'm going to pump the brakes on that, but for now, uh, we just got to, I want to talk about the playoff race because we're all sweating. Every day I'm sweating. I look at it, I'm sweating. Um, even the West is pretty close. We have Vancouver there, Edmonton, Calgary, Arizona, all battling. Is it safe to say that Taylor Hall has rubbed Arizona fans the wrong way? Yeah. yeah. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> this team was on fire and they were in first in their division they go out trade half the team to get the cancer and look what happens <laughs> i like it i didn't Keep entirely going. mean that but like taylor hall and phil castle you look at the kind of polarizing players that they are why the fuck would you want both of them on the same team i thought it was amazing because i thought hall would play with keller and i thought that would just bring out keller's offensive dynamic game that everyone was ranting about when he got drafted and instead Keller gets dropped by you in fantasy. <laughs> He's got, what, like 40 points? He's a minus probably 12 now, and I think he's playing on the third line. Yeah, Taylor Hall. I don't really know what to expect, too, because he's a free agent, and I remember when he got traded to Arizona. It's like, yeah, they're – they're. Oh, wait, no, did he sign that contract extension? No, right? No, no. 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 Yeah, he's still a free agent. Um yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on Taylor Hall for a minute? Is he going to sign with Arizona if they don't make the playoffs? I think either way, he's not signing there. It's no nothing way. against Arizona. I just think Taylor Hall, regardless of the teams he's been on, I, I, I'd imagine he wants to win something. So I think he's going to give him, himself the best opportunity to do that in the summer. I really don't know where he would end up. 
think it's the matter of who the hell is willing to pay him that much for a guy that misses half the year every other year. And the playoffs every other year. <laughs> I'm literally like thinking of a team that would sign him. I'm not getting any any names. Who's Vegas dumb? maybe, but Philly? they just <laughs> – Yeah, Philly. <laughs> They're dumb. No, I'm not – no. So we were saying before Colorado just because of no, all the not cap Colorado. space. But yeah. No, not, not Colorado. They got to pay Burakovsky now. <laughs> yeah, they're ranting it. And Philly gave Kevin Hayes $7 million. I'd save Philly. I, I want to I just throw it out there and maybe say Ottawa. Oh, because best chance to win. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a culture that Taylor Hall's used to, going <laughs> to a team where it's like a rebuilding-type atmosphere. So maybe Taylor Hall can mesh well there because what he's done in Arizona, I don't know what to really – like you just kind of went on a mini rant there, and I, I agree. He they were in first, and now they're basically they, they out. Were, they were the best team in the league. Yeah, it was embarrassing. That's why we're there. It, Phil, it looks so stupid. And yeah, now like even I think it was a month or two ago, I didn't have Calgary in the playoffs because Goudreau and Monahan were having terrible years. The whole Bill Peters thing too. You bring up all that. I just thought that they were not going to make the playoffs, Calgary. And now look at it. They're in, I think, second. I think they even jumped Edmonton. So Vancouver and Calgary right now are leading that division. And then in the other division, apparently Winnipeg, all of a sudden they want to start winning. And I think Paul Maurice might win Coach of the Year. And it's funny. We were saying John Cooper should get fired. (laughs) This guy has not lost more than five games in two months. I think they heard you. Yeah. So um, (laughs) going to play some Mikey. I just want to. I want to bring you. So we talked about that division. Let's talk about the East. Who do you guys have making it out of all the teams in the Metro? Because I know it's really close. You have Philly, you have the Islanders, Columbus. Now wants to make some noise. The Rangers. Who do you guys have being the even Carolina? Who do you guys have? Not making it out of all those teams. Philly. And maybe – I want to say the Rangers, but like they are on a roll, but I see Columbus making it. And John Tortorella, my guy, who I wish was uh, coaching the Leafs, but story for another day. <laughs> I think he's in the, one of the front runners for Coach of the Year based on what he had to do with Bobrovsky out, Panarin gone, working with all those guys he has, especially with those two leaving. Mind, play mind you, Seth Jones has been out for a, a yeah. month now. And they're still that good. Yeah, I won't argue that at all. But uh, <laughs> for, for those teams, I'll say Philly's the one to miss. Yeah. I'd say the Rangers would squeak in out of the three, but fuck, it's tight. Yeah, I, I don't know about the Rangers' um, even identity at this point. Like, what are, like you, you say they're, they're a playoff team and then they're not every year. Philly, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know, they have Konechny, he's solid. They have Couturier. He should be their captain in like a year or two, because I think Giroux is on the. W- w- okay, if you're if you're Ron Hextall, would you do that? Kind of like what they did with Joe Thornton, in in San- yeah, like take the C off Giroux. If you if you did feel that Couturier eventually would become a better leader, because I'm seeing it on the ice already. I'm already seeing Couturier being the better two way. Uh, if they feel that way, probably, it would have nothing to do with Giroux. No, but no. Uh, he's. He's probably their uh, leader in points when it's all said and done. Uh, the guy's Mr. Philly, so I don't think – yeah, he would probably be up for it. He sees the Katuri's, what, 26, 7 years old? It's yeah, he's, his in, he's in his prime now. It's him and TK going forward, so that would be a nice move with him. I would trade Voracek as soon as possible. Yes. Anywhere, I'll even retain a portion of the salary, get rid of him. He's been awful And this then year. sign a free agent, get some depth players in there. And uh, try to make your fan base not turn and hate Carter Hart and force him out of town because then you're fucked. Yeah, they've actually been doing that lately, haven't they? They've actually been bashing Carter. I, I remember I was on Twitter and I saw um, they're like, oh, yeah, Carter Hart kind of reminds us of Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the first good year and then uh, it's kind of it. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, there's you're in no position to be bashing your goalie. You don't have another goalie. You haven't had one this millennium. <laughs> Like, no, because I remember there was there was there was one tweet I saw where remember when they drafted four goalies? Was it fucking two years ago? I think it was two or three years ago. And this one guy was like, "Oh, I'm not worried about Carter Hart sucking. We have three other goalies." I'm like, "Yeah, too bad those other three goalies haven't played an NHL game. So good luck with that." It's just one of those where, if I'm a Philly fan, I really don't know what to expect on a nightly basis with this team. 
kind of like as Leaf fans. The worst place to be is the middle of the pack, and that is where Philly has been for like 10 years now. Remember they had uh, Bobrovsky in trade for fourth rounders? <laughs> Great move there by Philly. They had Steve Mason, that Vesna winner. They had Sergei Bobrovsky, that Vesna winner. They had Ilya Gabrizkalov. <laughs> the Vesna. universe humongous big. They had Brian Elliott, who went to an all-star two years after he got traded from Philly. <sighs> I just I hope for the best with all these teams, but yeah, I don't think Philly's going to make it. So if you're a Philly fan listening to this, we all love your team. We really do. It's just really tight. <laughs> um, but yeah, with that being said, um, is there anything else we kind of want to discuss today? Oh, the Leafs being on. Uh, oh yeah, nice the Leafs. Run. The Leafs winning three straight games. Uh, Jake Muzzin is out though again. Morgan Riley and Cody Cece are coming back. In about a week or two. What should we, though, expect from those guys? Because I don't want Sheldon Keefe coming out here and being like, yeah, Morgan, he's healthy, so we're going to play him 32 minutes a night. What would you do? What would you do if you're Sheldon Keefe? Are you going to play Morgan Riley like 19 going into the end of the year and then you play him 30 in the playoffs? Or are you kind of doing 27 the whole way through? I think you have to play him a lot. Because we may not make the playoffs, and we're going to need Riley to carry the load. And once he comes back, he's he's going to have to carry the load. So you're looking at 27 minutes a night. Just imagine the doctors when they came in and told <laughs> Sheldon Keefe, good news, we think Cody Cece's ready to come back. Him and Dubas are probably like, fuck. Because <laughs> now they got to find some salary space to put them on the lineup. They have to drop some people who they feel might help them now, like a Sandine. And Lilgren has to like actually oh. play and uh, take advantage of the opportunity, or else his trade value goes even he down. He is not playing. If yeah. I'm if I'm Dubis, I'm not playing Lilgren. He just does not look ready. It's been tough. Just thrown right in the fu- he's playing with Sandine, and they're on the second pairing. Like, that's yeah. not. Yeah, it's he, too soon. He, right yeah, he doesn't look. Least. He doesn't look ready. So. <laughs> I think at that point you got to have CeCe plug it in, at least for the end of this year, and then, you know, he's gone. But I don't really know what to even expect with CeCe because I, I heard rumors that we're going to just give him the Robita treatment. Just, yeah, you're long-term, you're not going to play the rest of the year. But Lilgren has been so bad, and um, it's not – I'm not saying he's a bad player. It's just the development. I don't think he's ready to be in the NHL. I know Dubas probably had that talk with him, like – Listen, we have Riley and CeCe injured. We're not going to call up a guy like a, I don't know who, I don't even know the D down there in the A, but yeah, they, they brought up Logren Sanding probably for the media to bring that hype to the team. And Logren has just not done it. So another year in the, on the Marlies kind of spice it up. He could dominate down there. But my biggest question is, we talked about it last week with Dermott. What is the role with Dermott, you think, for the rest of this year and moving forward? Do you see him leaving? I think eventually he's going to be on his way out. Yeah. Just because when I see <clears throat> you're going to eventually lock up Mo, you got Muzzin for the next, was it four or five years? I think it's four or five. Yeah, maybe five. And if, uh, you know, you got Sandine down there on that entry level deal still, Lilgren eventually, just kind of look at the long term plan, especially as Lee fans. You, you think Dermot might be the odd guy out, but ideally I'd want to keep him. The guy's still 22, three years old. He won in that 15 draft. If, any, if anything, Aren't we kind of lucky that he hasn't um, blossomed in a way, as like for like the contract standpoint? Because I remember when we when we locked him up, was it the same time we locked him up? At wait, was it? No, it wasn't him. I'm thinking of Riley's contract. Riley and Anderson were the same time. So Dermot's what up next year or in two years? Next year, yeah. Yeah, he's a really cap friendly. He's what at like two point like what two at most? Yeah, so. At that point in time, I'm kind of happy that he hasn't put up like a 40-point season because then he would easily ask for Muzzin money. I still think he is regardless because he's already been what? He's been with the team for what, three years now? Yeah, like on the a, team. like He's been hurt like through a lot of that though. So he's never really had the chance to get going. So that's why I think if you look at Sandine and Logren and then see all Dermot, you know, yeah, he's got the potential. And I think eventually they'll just be like, okay, let's move on from him. He's been good for us. It's just not a good fit. So at this point, he's just a role player. Yeah. He won that. But just the role player position, like over CC and Hall and Marincin, So 
he's more than that. Yeah. I don't want him on the third pairing for five years. No, it's it's, it's it also sucks too because we traded down yeah. to get Dermot twice. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we could add Konechny, but it's okay. It happens, you know. Um, with this being said, though, the Leafs winning three straight games. We're now going into into California. If we win these three in a row, if we win six straight games. I think that's safe to say that we clinched almost. I'm not gonna say we're in it, but I'm gonna. It's a good. It's a good chance we make the playoffs. But with that being said, Freddie's been awful lately. I don't want to say. Do you think they rushed him back maybe from injury too soon? Because, man, he's been, he's been pretty bad. And I don't want to like downplay how great he's been the last. Because I remember I think it was two years ago. Everyone was saying he was our MVP. He was our best player. He arguably still is because we our D are our D are band aids. They're all band aids. So, um, but with that being said, if for, let's say we lose two of these three games with Freddie in net, are you rolling with Jack Campbell at any point down the stretch? I'm probably giving Campbell one of these three, regardless. Probably the middle game. I am concerned about Freddie though, just because like you look at the last three years and. Three years, right? Yeah. He's yep. been solid. He's been our rock. And then uh, the first month was good. And then ever since like November, mid-November, he's, he hasn't really looked like himself. So it is very possible they rushed him back from injury. You see that stuff all the time. So it wouldn't surprise me. Well, another reason why I asked that question is because we saw Jack Campbell start last year for the Kings. And he actually was pretty successful. He had like a 9-17 save. Even a couple games this year already I saw. He looked really composed, really good. I really like that trade for the Leafs with Clifford and Campbell. I think, man, if honestly, if Freddie keeps continuing to struggle and we somehow keep winning, I would just rest Freddie. I'm giving him that Ducks game for sure. Yeah. Because he's beaten Anaheim every time. Yes, he has. And he's, I think he has a career 964 against them. So, yes, I would play Freddie there. But, yeah, if he has like a bad game against like the Kings, I, I'm, I might, uh, I might be, hey, Jack, I know we traded you for not a lot, but. Might be relying on you down the stretch. It's against his old team. Put him in there. I don't know. It's motivation. Uh, it's pretty concerning though for Leaf fans. But my biggest concern is what we do now, because Marinson he just potted his first goal. That a boy. <laughs> the other night. Is it safe to say Marty Marinson, Sheldon Keefe, they get along pretty well. Marinson got along pretty well with um, what's his name there, Lou Lamorello. Mike Babcock, obviously, because Babcock loved Marinson. Do you guys see Marinson playing in the playoffs? Hell no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't I don't want him anywhere near the rink. Put him upstairs. Let him eat food. Stay let away eat food. from the <laughs> fucking lineup in the playoffs. That's a train wreck. They will get lit up if he plays in the playoffs. Oh, man. Put Hall in there. Put Dermot. Call up fucking Lil Grand after and put him in there. I'm not putting Marinson. I'll say he finds a way in. <laughs> Just because of injury, but shit. Please don't be like a Jay Gardner. If we're oh in a game seven, I'm not playing Marinson. I agree with, with Alino. I am not playing Marinson. I'd be fine with four defense. But I'm also not playing Lilgren either. I'm playing Justin Hall, like yeah. 27 minutes. I'm playing like three guys, 30 minutes, and then everyone else can Who play. Who is it? Muzzin, Hall, and Riley. Yeah, there it is. There's the three, and then Dermot can play like 24, and then you have Sandine play like 14 minutes. Get your I'd be surprised if a coach actually like, were to experiment with that, only have four defensemen and you get uh, 15 forwards or 14 forwards. I'd call up Igor, <laughs> put Makai up in there, and then you add them to that mix, do work, have like a fourth line of interchangeable guys, and load up the scoring. I'd be interested if someone did that. One day, there's going to be a coach like crazy enough to want to try that. Maybe Keith should be the one to do it. You know what, man? I'm going to end this podcast very controversial. We talked about a lot of Canadian teams today. Montreal, I want to just kind of end it with. Um, they're a bubble team. I don't even think they're a bubble team. They're they're like what? Like an 11th, 12th seeded team in my eyes. Yeah. They're in no place of winning a cup. If you're Bergevin, I'm ending the pot on this. This is going to be a juicy question. Are you trading Carey Price in the offseason? He's thirty, going to be 32 years old. I'm trying to trade Carey Price if I'm version man. Okay, well, if you trade Carey Price, I'm trying to trade Shea Weber, I'm trading Max Domi, and I'm trading everyone, and I'm starting the fuck over. Because that guy is your entire franchise. That's my question. Are you trying to start over if you're Montreal? Because, man, like, they're in 12th. They're not taking a step forward. 
just like I got to ask, is Buffalo in a year's time? Are we going to start saying, do it all over again? Because <laughs> they have not done anything. Any, I'm sorry, Jack Eichel has had, he could have as many heart years as he can. If you're not going to move forward, then what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just there. It's one, and, one, two, and three over there. Him, Reinhardt, and Darlene. And then... Like, we talked about it last week for a quick second. Like, how are they not in the playoffs by now? The rebuild was what, 2015? It's 2020. It's been five years. I think I said it. uh, They just had so many first-rounders that didn't work out, and they've gone to a point now where they don't have any players. Like, Like, we talked about Buffalo being in that state. When do we start talking about Montreal being in that state, if not already? Because that fan base might be even more violent than Leaf than the Leaf fan base. So that's the that's the question I got to ask you guys: Is when does it come to that point where Bergevin's thinking, "Oh, maybe I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna resign, maybe I'm gonna step down as GM because this is too much for me. We got to trade Weber, Tatar, everybody." So that's that's my question: When do we start looking at his as hockey fans and saying, "Wow, Montreal." They're not going anywhere. Should have happened this July. That happened like this past July. I would have traded Carey Price, and just imagine the return. If you can trade Carey Price, I would want like the top prospects or players that can play in your team right now. And then if you trade Shea Weber to another team, you get another few uh, pieces that can play right now. Maybe a goalie, and then maybe you're in a New York Rangers type of rebuild where it's just one year. And the pieces you got, you got rid of those contracts, and you're good to go. So if I'm like, Bergevin, I'm doing that immediately. Like the fact that he traded Sirkachev, the highest draft in Montreal player in a long time, for Drouin, one for one. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Come on. Drouin is an elite – well, he's looked at as an elite-level player. The fact that you, you finished the lowest in the standings – what was that? I think the year before that they made the playoffs because of – Carry Price, and then of course he got hurt, and it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna draft Sirkachev, and oh, don't worry, we're not gonna rebuild. And now it's getting to that point where it's like, Domi's a star, he deserves better. Tatar, what the hell's going on there? He's he's got 60 points this year already. Trade him, you could get a first for him easily. Carry Price, you could probably get three first rounders for him. Shea Weber is probably a top 10 defenseman this year. When isn't he, though? So, like, this is when you got to ask, like, Bergevin, get off your ass and start doing proper movements to a rebuild. They're not a buyer. They're not a contender by any means. Trade away, everybody. That is my take. That is how I'm ending this pod. Montreal, you got to rebuild. Follow Vancouver's footsteps. There it is. For next week, we'll talk about probably this clusterfuck with Goldberg a little more. Talk about the bill with Drew. As soon as we get close to Elimination Chamber, we'll review that more. Take it easy, guys.